Welcome to this week's Green Side Up. This is Richard Henschel with the University of Illinois Extension Service, and I've got a couple bugs to talk about this week. One is that in early August, we normally begin to see the hatch of our grubs. These are the grubs that would uh, eventually be feeding on the grass roots in our lawn and causing patches of death and destruction, shall we say. The insect in question this year is much more of the Japanese beetle than our typical white chafer, mass chafer. Japanese beetle some years back kind of took over being the more popular grub in the lawn with its uh, high numbers. The good news is this year populations of the Japanese beetle continue to be light in most areas in Illinois. While, you know, we may have seen some heavy damage feeding on lindens and roses and things like that, uh, those reduced numbers overall typically mean there are less eggs laid in the lawn. So we're going to have fewer larvae or grubs uh, feeding on the grass root plants later on. So now's about the time, uh, the early part of August here, where we begin to see those eggs laid and those eggs hatch very, very shortly thereafter. So what you're looking for, or or the combination that gives us the most grubs, would be high number of eggs being laid, which is already, we know, is going to be reduced, and then favorable soil condition. The, the grub really likes to lay eggs in uh, lawns that are reasonably moist, where it's easy for the female to actually dig and deposit the eggs. So a dry harder, hotter type soil for in our lawns uh, discourages the egg laying in that way. So what we are doing, what we've always talked about, is somewhere between 10 and 12 grubs per square foot is a high enough number to warrant treatment because that number, that 10 to 12 grubs per square foot, is going to be able to cause damage to our lawn. If we have a lawn that's already understressed, highly trafficked, uh, things of that sort, uh, even fewer grubs per square foot would allow that damage to occur. The easiest way to do this then to find that out is you just got to go out and, and have a look. You take your favorite gardening knife, flat spade, and you find a moist spot in your yard. Again, the larvae as they hatch are going to need that soil moisture along with the grass roots to grow and get bigger and bigger as this last half of the summer progresses. If it's hotter and drier, those grubs will find themselves, you'll find the grubs farther down in the soil, avoiding the hot, dry surfaced areas, which means you're never probably going to really find them. But in a moist soil, with a good gardening knife or a flat spade, you kind of make a cut on three sides and then carefully roll that sod up. And if there are grubs present, you would find them in the soil that's left and or clinging to the, the root system, if you will, of the sod you'd roll up. So that's when you would be able to see if indeed they're there. And if, as I said, if in a good turf with lots of moisture, if you've got 10 or 12 or higher, that's probably going to warrant treatment. If you find 10 or 12 in a drier, more stressed turf, you would expect uh, worse damage. So an appropriate soil insecticide that will control the grub and its larval stages, as we know it, would be desirable. The other insect I wanted to, to talk about on the show this week, as we are all way too familiar with the emerald ash borer, 
and we've wondered for some time because there are some relatives to the ash trees and we've always wondered whether or not they too would become susceptible to the emerald ash borer. Well, what we're finding out is through research and observation that yes, indeed, um, when there's no other ash trees for the beetle to lay eggs and, and have the larva feed within the ash tree, that they will attack some uh, secondary hosts. And the one that we have in our area is the uh, white fringe tree. We have now been able to confirm that we have seen some feeding damage in white fringe tree here in northern Illinois. Previously, we knew about it uh, out in Ohio, but now we can confirm that uh, we found some in northern Illinois as well. The researchers truly believe that the invasion of our white fringe trees by the emerald ash borer is because the number of emerald ash borer adults is still high enough, but the number of trees, the ash trees that, that the emerald ash borer can attack are fewer and fewer. So they're looking for their secondary hosts. It's kind of no different than us choosing a steak over a hot dog. The steaks are gone in this case, so they're looking at the hot dog, which is our uh, white fringe tree. Maybe not the best of analogy, but, you know, you get the idea. We are hoping that as as we move forward here and EAB population falls down because of the lack of ash trees in general, that that this is hopefully just a temporary situation. Typically, the same kind of practices in terms of tree health, nourishment, avoidance in terms of trying to keep EAB off the fringe tree is there. I'm not aware yet that uh, I've seen a label that says you can use the same products you use on your ash on the fringe tree, but I'd imagine this will be coming along soon enough and, and we'll have those choices available to us. As I said, the EAB larvae don't grow as nearly as rapidly or as well or as strong as they do on an ash tree. And chances are that many of these larvae, even though they've, the eggs have been laid on the white fringe tree and they've hatched and invaded the trunk, they may not survive. So uh, there's a good chance that our white fringe trees are going to come out of this much better than uh, ash trees did in, in terms of survival. So again, the white fringe tree is just really apparently attacked kind of in desperation and, and is certainly not the primary host here. So that's um, all good for us in terms of what we found out. So keep an eye on if you've got a white fringe tree and you're looking for, you'd be looking for the very same exit holes and tunneling you would see on an emerald, on an ash tree from the boar. So that's those small D-shaped holes and that serpentine tunneling if you find a branch or an area in your fringe tree that is failing, that might be the case. Again, it's there as a secondary host more than a primary host, so let's hope that uh, that problem doesn't persist in northern Illinois for very long. The grubs, on the other hand, as they have been for year after year, are here to stay, so pay attention for the grub count, 10 to 12 on a good turf, less than 10 or 12 on a less than quality turf will cause damage and make appropriate treatments and repair options. Well, this has been Richard Henschel with this week's Greenside Up. It's been my pleasure, and I'll be talking to everybody again next week.